opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is Sunday Edition with Anthony, a news magazine show featuring human interest, in the spotlight, movers and shakers, and the news and happening that affects all of us in and out of the ACB community. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and we're here with another awesome show. A little bit later on in the conversation, we're going to be talking with Pat Sheehan, Dan Spoon, Jeff Tom, and Connie Sims about voting this year. Um, and they're going to answer any of your questions. So as always, if you want to call in and join us, the Zoom information is on the various email lists. You can always hit up the ACB Facebook community page. It's always the same login information. So whichever Sunday edition post you find first, hit up the Zoom information and join us with your questions for the voting task force. Or for my first guest, Mr. Ricky Jones of Strive For You, I have a couple of announcements before we get started. The first comes from Terry Suarez in Florida who wants to let you guys know that there is some special programming on VIP Toastmasters that will help all of you guys for national convention, uh, speaking engagements, all kinds of stuff. And um, she says that the programming is awesome and she's taking big, big advantage of it and she would like all of us to know about it. That is VIPToastmasters.com. Um, and Byron, I have a couple of things to ask you about. You guys at uh, Next Generation are doing something cool this month, right? Yeah. So, um, so last, <clears throat> so last month we did a thing about uh, sports of all sorts, which is all about adaptive, uh, adaptive sports. Um, specifically, audio darts was our big attraction, and um, in April we're going to be doing wordplay. Um, so the last Saturday of the month is our Saturday Night Live. Uh, and it's going to be uh, like puns and poetry and spoken word and all kinds of fun stuff with words. So I'm really excited. And I'm going to do a uh, wordplay thing that uh, involves um, sound effects because, you know, that's my jam. Nice. Yeah. What do you have going on for the fun zone tonight? And, well, my birthday is going to be tomorrow, and so of course I'm going to play you know a couple birthday songs. But uh, the theme for today is aging, so songs about getting older. <laughs> well, you just stole my thunder at right? that famous line from the Friends television show, "Stealing Thunder." I was going to wish you a big and hearty happy birthday. I was even going to sing and stuff, but no, happy, 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 happy <laughs> birthday to you! Well, thank and you. Uh, as always, thank you so much for being Sunday Edition's awesome behind-the-scenes engineer. All right. Blind Pride International has part two of the amazing conversation with Harvey Miller, founding member, and he's been a part of ACB since the early 80s. Um, he also had a really exciting project that he worked on for a couple of years straight, taking the music um, from Louis Braille and his students. This, there are only two books still left in, in, in 
you know, available. One of them is in the APH Museum in Louisville, Kentucky. And he spent a couple of years going back and forth, translating all of that into usable um, sheet music and things, uh, computer programs. So if you get a chance, Tuesday night at 10 p.m. or look for the podcast, it is a fascinating conversation. And now I will transition and welcome Ricky Jones from Strive for You. Welcome you. to Sunday Edition, Ricky. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having us. Well, not to drop BPI too many times, but um, BPI, Blind Pride International, is partnering with Strive for You for two great programs during National Convention this year. One focusing on the basics of self-defense and why we should all consider having some self-defense techniques in our lives. And the other one is some adaptive sports part of ACB's larger conversation, Get Up and Get Moving. And we're really glad that we have the opportunity to talk with Ricky today about what Strive for You is doing. But before you go there, tell us a little bit about Ricky and your family. I know you've been around the ACB community for quite a few years as well. So let us know a little about you, Ricky. Sure, absolutely. Well, I've, um, I live here in Nashville, Tennessee with my family of five of us. There's my wife, Christy. Uh, who's also the co-founder of Strive for You, and we have three wonderful children. We have a his, hers, and our type situation. Um, both of us having older, fifteen-year-olds uh, uh, from previous marriage, a boy and a girl, and then we have our son, who's now seven. Um, seems to be the life of every party he goes to, and uh, we've done a lot of things uh, together and individually. Um, athletically and just a lot of great opportunities that um, we've had as a family to be able to do. Uh, my wife, Christy, and I have participated in all kinds of adaptive sports, um, such as goalball, uh, national and regional tournaments there, uh, bowling. Uh, we've also competed in the New York Marathon and doing 26.2 miles. And please don't leave out the two, the point two miles. That that does matter to anybody that does. Uh, a oh yeah. Marathon. But uh, we've done a lot of amazing things, and, uh, and as well as attending the ACB convention. You know, I think before we go into Strive for You, it would um, it would behoove our listeners to hear a little bit about. I mean, and of course, everyone knows at this point that I am originally from Staten Island, New York. So the New York City Marathon is something that's near and dear to my heart. It shuts down one Sunday a year. It shuts down just about everything in New York, and it isolates Staten Island because there is a point of the of the um, marathon where you go over the Verrazano Narrows Bridge into Staten Island. So for those eight, nine hours, uh, you know, we are shut off unless you take the Staten Island Ferry into Manhattan. So just from a personal perspective, what is it like to hit five boroughs in a marathon? You know, it, it's such an amazing journey, to be honest, from start to finish, not just the start of the race. It's an amazing journey getting to that starting line. Uh, we, we run with a local group here. Um, it's an international group called Achilles International. We have a Nashville chapter here, uh, here in in Nashville, and um, we, you know, partner with them. And before you even get there, uh, we did over 500 miles of training over 16 weeks. Uh, we've ran plenty more than the marathon itself before you even get. Yeah. But then when you're running and just like going over that first bridge is, I remember um, 
my guide describing it to me as we drove by on the bus uh, going by it and was like, oh man, that's a big, that's a big bridge. And we'd already knew to prepare for the big, you know, for the bridges. And um, so, you know, running it, I've done it twice. And the first time it was a struggle uh, in 2014, uh, it was very windy, very cold. And it felt, you know, so windy when you picked up your feet uh, yeah. on the bridges that, you know, the wind would blow your feet up yeah. to crisscross. But then you get on the other side of the bridge and you're, you get there into Brooklyn and man, there's just people packed row by row supporting you a high five and there's kids with flags and it's just an amazing feeling. And, and then when, you know, you get down into Manhattan and Queens and um, the Bronx, it's just, you know, there's so much fun. It's like a party uh, the entire time. And then there at the end, of course, I, I can't even tell you the emotions that run through you when you finish, you know, go across that finish line after running through Central Park and cross that line, knowing that you, you know, you really accomplished something that um, it's never, you know, running a race like that should never be a race against other people unless you're like in the Paralympics. But when you're running a race like that, it's a race against yourself, your body. Yeah. Um, And it's just such an amazing adrenaline rush. So I definitely have two things to say on that point. Um, When we were kids, my father took us over. So the anniversary, I want to say it was the 25th anniversary, but it of the um of the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and they had shut the bridge down for a couple of hours and you were able to walk over it. And oh my God, it, the wind <laughs> and just the, the 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 sheer force of being it, it was it's an amazing experience. So my question to you is people often say that by the time they're done with their wedding day, the reception, the receiving line, photos, etc., that when you look back on it, you remember like maybe an hour's worth of everything you did that day. I, I would imagine it, it would it probably is the same feeling when you finish a marathon like that. How much do you actually remember of the run itself? And do you remember more from your wedding or from the marathons? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble, but no, I, <laughs> um, the, you know, for me, it was actually the opposite. I remembered going back the second time I had more, a lot more fun the second time because I knew what to expect. And I knew I was describing to my guide before we even got there, what was getting ready to happen, what we were going to do. Uh, going over the, the bridge that really got me was that, or the moment that really got me, you know, they talk about a runner's block. And that moment that really got me was uh, Queens Bridge going into Manhattan. And that bad boy is like, you know, straight uphill. And when you come down on the other side of it into Manhattan, they even have hay bales at the end for uh, wheelchair athletes so that they don't careem off into the abyss um as they come around that turn coming off that bridge and that's where i I, both years i hit my wall and you know the second year it was like okay look the first year i walked this thing i am not walking this one i am running up it all the entire time so i was able to actually tell my guides what to expect and they were just there i mean there was things like um going into uh going from the bronx into manhattan uh just before that bridge there's a japanese restaurant there and i remember the year before the you know, I was being told about uh, flame uh, stick uh, twirlers and, you know, the drums and all that stuff. And it was just, you know, I remembered a lot of stuff. Uh, however, when you're done, you're done. 
uh, you're exhausted and food is about the only thing you want to do. But then at the same time, um, you're so sore and tired. You're just like, can somebody bring me, <laughs> bring me something? I'm just going to stay right here where I lay. So <laughs> cue the IV bag. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk, let's talk about Strive for you. Tell us how the concept came about and a little bit of a little bit about what it's like to actually make your idea come to life and to incorporate and, and start programming that is really going to affect our community and, and hopefully, you know, give options that are not necessarily always available to us. Yeah. So we, so the way that strive for you was started is really a, a culmination of all the experiences throughout life that my wife, Christy, and I have had. Uh, I started with uh, my brother uh, back in 20, uh, 2009. I restarted back up the, what was then called the Tennessee Association of Blind Athletes. And it was a sports club, a, a state sports club of the United States Association of Blind Athletes because my brother wanted us to compete and I hadn't competed in anything since high school. So um, that's kind of where that's kind of where the journey started, I guess you would say, as far as in my uh, nonprofit professional career. But really, I had been involved in athletics and stuff like that in, in school. And I, I was a son of two totally blind parents mm -hmm. uh, and was born legally blind myself. So, you know, I never had that moment to say, you can't, I can't do this. I can't do something. And so that's kind of what, you know, the passion through life that went with me um, for a great time and journey in my life. Um, I sidetrack here for just a second, but going back to the running and the and marathon, I do presentations and uh, speak across the country. And I, I've told my story, my life story through, um, as I intertwine it with trying to run a 26.2 marathon and call it the marathon of life. And so I've used the, you know, the things that I grew up with. And then my wife had her own challenges uh, as she was totally sighted up until she was 10 and then started losing her vision very abruptly. Um, and family had issues with accepting um, her blindness. She had trouble accepting her blindness. And so, um, you know, it, we really kind of put all the things we've done with adaptive sports, self-defense over the last 12 years. Um, and along the way, we've realized that not only did we learn how to advocate for ourselves, but we, we learned that in doing all these things, we've empowered other people to advocate for themselves. Um, we've taught, you know, out in the public about acceptance and creating the equal opportunities for everyone. And so we decided rather than doing like three or four different nonprofits that we were currently involved in, we put it all under one roof. And our biggest thing was to make sure that it was a peer to peer approach um, by people with disabilities for people with disabilities, not just someone standing up and saying, yeah, you should do this, you should do that. Um, but really saying, coming from the perspective of we either have been there or we're still there going through the same struggles as you. So as, as we look at all three of our programs, that's the approach we take. And we've surrounded ourselves with a, an excellent team of individuals. 80% of our staff, board of directors, and volunteers are uh, 
have some type or, or associate themselves as a person with a disability. So we really take that to heart um, when, when we look at our approaches to our programs. What I like um, that I've that I've heard in our previous conversations leading up to this, and and of course through the materials, um, your website and, and the materials you've sent me, it seems to me that you take a very strong approach um, from a mental health based perspective as well as as the actual programming itself. Knowing that you know we all come from a different place and you know no matter where we are in our disabled life you know some of us have been dealing with it all of our lives some of us have a very long and slow progression into it some of us have an abrupt oh my god one day you know we wake up and we think life is going to be continue the way it is and by the end of that day life has completely changed on us um how how important from you know from the ground up was it to know that you that you were going to be a support system as well as as well as you know these various programs that you guys put out there yeah it it really goes back to that uh all the issue all the situations and things that experiences that i my wife and and all the other team members that we have on board have had throughout their lives of knowing there are struggles out there that i mean i so in high school again i had 2400 vision in high school my senior year my vision in my left eye started deteriorating and i had played football for for a big powerhouse football team here in uh high school here in tennessee and so you know i thought i had college looking forward to life the world was at my fingertips i was ready to conquer everything and then they did a surgery to try and remove the vascular grafting that was in my left eye and it backfired and I lost all the vision in my left eye. So it's, it's, it's things like that. Um, and then going through that emotional roller coaster of being so angry at the world, being mad at the higher being, you know, and, and, and everything that just, so we've been there. It's just like I said, we've been there and we take that into consideration. We understand that it's sort of like a grievance process uh, for, yep. Uh, someone maybe lost their loved one. It's the same type of grieving process when you lose your vision and you could get stuck in any of the seven stages for you could go get out of it and, and a few months down the road, get right back in another uh, stage of, of, of the grieving process. So it's, we, we take that so much into consideration when we're developing our programs, when we're training our, our staff and volunteers, and when we are working with our clients. You know, one of the things um, that that we talk about on Sunday edition periodically, I I love the phrase when people when people say there is nothing that we can't do. I I love the the philosophy behind it, but in in reality, there are plenty of things that we just cannot do Absolutely. unless you put me on a plane in Texas with miles and miles and miles of nothing. I can't drive a car. I right. will never be able to sit in a cockpit and fly a plane, but that shouldn't hold me back from doing and learning about those things and, and anything that technically I can't do, but there are ways to experience it. I know on my bucket list, I'm going to jump out of a plane one day. I've already bungee jumped. I've hang glided, you know, 
and I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump out of a plane one day, uh, you know, even, whether I recite it or not, obviously the first couple of jumps, you have to do tandem, but my goal one, you know, to is to get to that point where I can do a free jump without the tandem right. and I will make that happen. Right. So when you, you know, when you were putting these programs together, I'm, I'm, I've, I'm always curious about the pushback, how much, you know, can you really do this? Is it really going to be a benefit to the community? How much pushback did you get? So, you know, it, it was one of those things that we had already done it to some degree. Like I said, over the last 12 years, uh, we've done the adaptive sports for years. We've done the self-advocacy and the training of professionals in uh, companies for, you know, disability awareness. We've done the self-defense. And we've had pushback. I won't say that we have it. Not only from the from the typical areas you would think, the, the community where negative stereotypes is just out there, uh, but also from, from within uh, the blind community and other disability groups that we've worked with where they've said, I can't do this. And it's, it's yes, you may have uh, challenges. You may have obstacles but there's ways to get around the obstacle if you want to do it. And like you said, there are some things where we just have to say, you know what, <laughs> it, it, it's not something that we can do, but there's all these other things out there that make life so much more um, enjoyable. Uh, STRIVE stands for strength through training and recreation, inspiring vitality and empowerment. And that is absolutely all of our uh, core values along with the peer-to-peer -peer, is that we believe everybody has the strength to be something great. They just need the education, the resources, and the opportunity to make it happen. And all of those three points are so key in everything, whether it's a person with a disability, it's a professional that works with that individual, or it's a, it's a person uh, just in the general community, because we all have seen the negative Nancy's. Um, but we have tried to develop all of our programs with all of those core principles uh, in place of, of understanding that there are going to be challenges. There's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days, obstacles. Um, and there's just going to be flat out things that uh, are just a wall that you have to make a left turn and go try something else, try a different path in life. So I have a couple more questions before we jump into the actual programming and then open up for listener questions. You're, you're working in the cross-disability space, and I don't know if you've had the opportunity to hear uh, President Dan Spoon's fireside chat from Leadership Weekend, but I, I feel like the cross-disability space is coming together in ways that we haven't seen in a very long time, if ever. Um, where do where where does Strive for you fit into that space, and what are the benefits, in your opinion, of of really working together with the other spaces out there, and and the other you know the deafblind community, the deaf community, wheelchair community, et cetera? So you know, it really comes into play for me. My personal opinion is it's it's a louder voice, it's a louder movement to say this. Hey, I'm here. I've got all these friends with me. There's more of us and we're here to fight for what we believe in and to live life to its absolute fullest. Strive for you. Uh, a lot of our programming and 
things that we're doing right now is specifically designed for blind and visually impaired. However, we there's no more anymore. It seems like more and more uh, there are other secondary disabilities that are involved with an individual. And so you have to be prepared to adapt things to fit all individuals, just like we would expect the community to do. And so it's one of those things where uh, as we go through and we're growing, we're going to add more programs that we uh, for other disabilities or, or adapt the ones that we have. Uh, some are already in that in that realm and in that place. Uh, so it's it's one of those things where as we grow, we're going to expand into the other disabilities that we're not currently serving. But in all actionality, because it's a voice thing, because it's an advocacy thing, it really is already there. That piece is already there. At least the foundation is there. So I believe it's just a bigger voice and a bigger uh, group of people saying, you know what, um, we've sit back in the shadows long enough and it's time to stand up and, and move forward. And, you know, groups like ACB and others is, is an excellent um, voice for people, an excellent way to encourage and give people the confidence to stand up for themselves. Well, that actually segues really nicely into my next question. ACB over the last couple of months has been slowly rolling out teasers uh, about a national campaign that's that's going to be uh, on the forefront of what they're doing for for quite some time. It's called Get Up and Get Moving, and I think the pandemic showed us many many things. If if you can say you know that there's a a, a teaching, I don't want to use the word silver lining, but if you you know a teaching moment, one of the big teaching moments from the pandemic, I think it leveled the playing field for persons with a disability, the isolation aspect, the not being able to get up and get moving in a way that that's meaningful, in a way that that is actually impactful. So what's in, in your opinion, get up and get moving, what does that mean to you? And how does Strive for You fit into a get up and get moving model? So get up and get moving to me really just means instead of being in in the shadow or just sitting at home on the couch or just being secluded isolated let's just go do something get out of the house go for a walk be out call pick up the phone and call somebody not just for people blind or visually impaired not just for people with disability but everybody that's the one thing i think the pandemic has taught us is i think the in, in some ways, it's it's hard to say, you know, politically and otherwise that you can say we're united because there's a lot of of just not. But yeah. in this way, we all feel the isolation now. Now it's easier for people to say, hopefully, I hope that, you know, there's more uh, individuals out there that this is a daily reality. Depression is a daily reality. Isolation. Um, not being included. Inclusion is a major issue. And so yeah. Strive for You and all of its programs, uh, the idea is just literally to, uh, whether it's through our three programs, we have our RISE program, which is our adaptive sports and recreation program. We have our SEED program, safety education and empowering defense. And then we have our Be Real program, which is our self-advocacy, communication skills, 
um, and disability awareness program. And with all of those, it's all about giving. So our belief is if once your body's in motion, they're going to stay in motion. And body means not just physically the body, the mind, uh, and everything is all centered around giving that education, the opportunity, the resources, and the confidence to do it. Because one of the biggest factors that hits when it comes to depression, isolation, all of those things can go right back to confidence. I'm yep. scared. I don't have the confidence to speak up. I don't have the ability to, um, or the, the understanding of how to increase my confidence. And when, you know, when you get somebody active, physically, mentally, then they are more confident to go out, out of uh, their home where everything inside the home is exactly where we put it. We know as blind and visually impaired people, we can't stand mm -hmm. somebody to come into our house and move something, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for us, we have a seven-year-old. So that's, we have an, um, a terrorist inside, if you will. Uh, but, <laughs> but when you go outside those doors where everything's where it is, you go into the world, the moment you step out, everything is changing. And that is so overwhelming to, to specifically blind and visually impaired or anybody with a disability. Not only, I'm not saying they can't, I'm just saying that's overwhelming. And then when you, when you put in all the negative stereotypes, all the barriers to transportation, all the other barriers that we have that we're facing, it's like, why, why try? But the reason for Strive is, it is exactly in its name, to strive for a better tomorrow, to strive for a better you, to strive for a more inclusive in, environment for everybody. And, um, and again, um, our adaptive sports and recreation program, our self-defense and safety education program, uh, the Be Real programs, they're all set up for that. Um, I can go into more details if you want um, on those programs or do you have another oh. question? Yeah, well, we're going, actually, we're going in that direction. Um, okay. A lot, you know, a lot of our members were disappointed that, unfortunately, ACB had to make the decision for safety reasons and, and various other reasons, but primarily safety reasons. We did not know what the pandemic would look like in July. So we are, of course, having a virtual convention again this year. I think many, many of us cannot wait for Omaha in 2022, and hopefully right. Starfield will partner with BPI again so yes. that we can translate what we're trying to do virtually into, into a physicality space. But um, you, you uh, very graciously offered us a range of options and, and how we could maximize what you guys do into, you know, a watered, not watered down, a something that would work virtually. So tell us about the two programs that coincide with the two programs we're offering at national convention and, and of course it's self-defense and adaptive sports yeah so i'm going to start with the arise program uh, adaptive recreation inspiring um, uh, su success and empowerment and that is all uh, it, within that program has several services that we offer we we offer what we call adaptive sports days where we come into a community um and we work with parks and recreation. We work with any professionals that want to be a part of it. It's open to the entire community. And literally you get hands-on to participate in all kinds of different sports. Think about it as like a mini little uh, sports conference where you get to 
hit, try every single sport. For those who are sighted, we put them under blindfold, not because uh, we think that they're going to understand exactly what it's like to be blind, but they're going to get at least a glimpse. Um, obviously, they have that luxury of taking that blindfold off at the end. But we also have our professional development workshops. We go into uh, VA medical centers. We go into uh, physical education programs around the country and other different programs. And we teach the professionals on how to adapt things for uh, a person with a disability, specifically blind and visually impaired. Many of them don't know what's out there. Many of them don't know how to adapt it because uh, even in their educational uh, track, when they're in college, they only take six, six hours of what they call yeah. adaptive education. So then we have our one-on-one -on -one consulting. We have, uh, we offer here in Middle Tennessee, we partner with different groups and we have bowling and goalball and run walk program. As I mentioned earlier, we have tandem cycling, uh, all kinds of different things we do here locally. And then we offer national tournaments. Uh, we have our bowling bonanza tournament that's coming up in May, May 15th. Uh, here in Nashville, we're going to offer not only an in-person version, but also a uh, virtual option. So people can bowl at their own local bowling alley, enter the tournament that way uh, to kind of help everybody with, with the fear and the concerns with COVID. Uh, in July, probably what is going to be our biggest event this year is our goalball tournament, which is a national uh, goalball tournament that's all around, that people from all around come to. However, this year, because everybody's, as you said, is aching to get out, uh, is going to be, we've already got so much. We just said save the date, and we've got so much interest in that because everybody's just itching to get out. So that's going to be um, July the uh, 9th through the 11th. And then we have our beat kickball tournament that we're going to be hosting for the first time this year in late August. And each year, we offer an adaptive sports conference. And so that is, again, a much a longer day than the adaptive sports day. And it has not only adaptive sports that you can try out, but it has health related sessions. Uh, we had a cooking session several years back. We have ballroom dancing, uh, self-defense, of course, and all the other things that we that I've mentioned, uh, as well as speakers that talk about, um, you know, advocacy and all that stuff. And then um, I think. So that's, that's pretty much the ARISE program. And then our, our Safety Education and Empowering Defense SEED program is a new program that we've started implementing. Uh, we, we have several dedicated instructors that have been teaching people with disabilities, uh, specifically blind and visually impaired, for years. And uh, we are, we've developed this program that has a safety education aspect to it, to where you can take either an online course or in-person workshops where you start learning about, you know, you think about common sense things, but some people, common sense these days may not necessarily be the strong point. Um, and it's not to, to say that somebody's intelligent, it's just sometimes people just don't know. And so we're creating that piece where thinking about being aware of your environment and what you're around and, and what you're doing whether it be at home, it be in travel. Uh, we have a, a transition age program uh, for teenagers when they're dealing with all those crazy emotions and hormones and all that stuff. 
all the dangers that come there. We have things for veterans, we have things for seniors, etc. And then our safety self-defense program is all about obviously the physical aspect of one's defending themselves. And then we also, in that same aspect, we also talk to people about the, if you have an encounter, the emotional effect that that has on you and that it's okay. Uh, and that there's resources out there to connect with if you do have a physical encounter. But we teach people how to deal with situations 90% of the time, blind and visually impaired. I'm going to get a lot of people out there yelling, amen, brother. But most of the time, 90% of the time, it's a it's a person who's just trying to, quote, help uh, that grabs you. But for whatever the reason, it's socially acceptable to grab a person who's blind or visually impaired. So we we deal with that part first. How do you get out of that situation? And then how do you advocate that, hey, I... I don't need any help. Next time, ask before you grab me. Uh, and then we work towards the more serious uh, scenarios and deal with all those. And in both our Arise program and our self-defense program, uh, safety education and self-defense program, we will be offering very soon uh, ways for you to get certified as an instructor if you want to become a certified instructor in either of those two programs. Um, and you can go through that process. Uh, one of the things that we do, as you can, I hope you can tell, is we're all about quality over quantity. And so we're going to have, it, it's, it's not going to be an easy process to become a certified instructor, not because we want to make it tough. It's just we want to make sure we're getting the best quality instructors that can then go out and, and help to empower people uh, with their teaching. So that's, that's the two programs. And we're gonna wrap that into a, a virtual session, um, one for each uh, program, uh, partnering with you guys. We, we are very excited about that. And, um, and we're gonna be offering, we'll talk about during the, the, uh, both the safety of education and the um, Arise presentations. We're gonna talk about how to adapt sports. We're gonna talk about things that you should look for uh, as far as self-defense is concerned, uh, address some issues. And then we're actually going to try and with the self-defense, we're going to try to give you a, um, a bit of a, some basic technique um, conversation. It's going to be a little diff different with being virtual, but uh, we're going to try to do a little bit of that. It's not going to be much as far as the technicality side of things, just because we feel very strongly that no one should try to learn from a book or a video or virtually um, because you have no idea whether you're doing it correctly or not. But the next year we can expand this big oh, time for the yes. in-person convention. Mm -hmm. So we, I'm going to alert Byron. If you can look for some hands while Ricky tells us all the ways that we can find out information on Start for You, how they can reach you directly. And I think for those that are, um, you know, in affiliate leadership, whether it be state or special interest. I think the programming to become certified might be something that would be a great project for some of our affiliates around the country. So give them your information and where they can get information about Start for You. Sure. And I would like to also mention, we are still building our team. Our team will never stop growing. Our organization will never stop growing because we're going to continue to evolve. We're looking for team members. If you have a specialty 
and we're always needing volunteers, whether it's marketing, it's website development, it's anything. So if you have any type of skill or something like that and want to volunteer with us, please, please reach out. If you think you might want to be a board member, I'm all, all for that. So uh, keep, keep that in mind as well. Um, but the ways you can get in touch with us, first of all, our website, strive4u.org, S-T-R-I-V-E, the number four, and then Y-O-U.org. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and we even started a TikTok account. So we're all over the place there. You can come on the website and find all those links to our social media. You can also join our newsletter. We're getting ready to issue a new newsletter uh, later this month. Um, and again, all those activities I mentioned earlier, the, the bowling tournament, the goalball tournament, the kickball tournament. Kickball is really fun, by the way, if anybody's not played it. Exciting. Um, but if you want to get involved in those or the conference, uh, you can um, check out all those links for the social media or the website all that information will be on there we'd welcome you to come join us here in nashville but also remember our programs are nationwide so we we will come to you uh, if there's a big enough group and interest and, and we can we'll if you don't have the funding we'll help find the funding so why don't we um why don't we set up some virtual conference uh at the the tournaments and at the convention day and then come back on sunday edition towards the end of august put that all together and let listeners get a you know an in-depth experience so that they can consider bringing you guys out to their various localities absolutely Byron, do we have any hands for mr ricky jones we sure do um i just all asked right. her to unmute uh jeanette you should be able to speak Hi, um, my question is about your self-defense program. Is it built on a particular model like Wing Chun or did you self-design it? So we have in, uh, what we call advanced instructors who have experience in various different styles of martial arts uh, who have helped us to develop this and we take a bit from here, a bit from there. There's no specific uh, one that we, we modeled after. However, what we, our concept is once contact is made, we don't break that contact until the situation has been diffused and, and the situation's over. That could be just that normal uh, helping grab that I spoke of earlier or a serious situation. We're not going to let go and break that contact until that situation has been dealt with. So that's, uh, we use several different, um, different, we, we pull things from different arts. And my follow-up question to that is, you did not come from another, like this is your own program. You didn't come from like the, pro, one of the programs that's out there is the One Touch Self-Defense you're not based on their model at all. You developed your own essentially independently. And the reason I'm asking that question is because I'm very interested, but I will be more interested if, if yours is like, like your own model, because I thoroughly appreciate your concept as you've described it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We are aware of the other program, uh, 
as we understand it, that organization is no longer um, operating at this very moment in time. I will say that some of our instructors have come over from that program. However, it is, it is, it is, so self-defense in itself is a situation where once you understand the techniques and the concept of self-defense and how to get out of situations and different things, a lot of the same mechanics, a lot of the same concepts are there. So you might see some crossover, but we've built what we feel like is a more in-depth approach, a different uh, concept altogether. The main people that were there previously are not a part of our program. And, uh, and so we're just, we're building off the experience we have, but as you said, developing our own thing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. We're going to take two more quick hands and you can always send questions to the email that Ricky just gave you or celebrationac at AOL.com and I can forward any questions to Ricky and maybe we'll get a community call together uh, depending on the interest level closer to convention. So Jeanette, please check out both programs at convention. Byron, who's next? Um, at the moment, I don't see any hands. Okay, then Ricky, thank you so much for joining us. Sunday edition is going to pop off for a quick message and I will be back with voting. Ricky, thank you, thank you, thank you. And now thank you, wife Christine, for letting us have your quality family time. Today. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity and, and info at striveforyou.org is our email address if you want to send us an email. But thank you so much and we look forward to partnering with you in the future. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, man. Bye-bye. Do you remember BPI? Oh yeah, Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB. Yes, they are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection. That's great, but what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community? This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome. So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection? Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy. So when will Pride Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on, on ACB Radio Mainstream. Wow, Byron, isn't that a great um, affiliate promo? Yeah, yeah. I thought those guys are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, your affiliate, it doesn't have to be an ACB Radio show. Your affiliate can have a promo that runs during shows like Sunday edition. Uh, for more information, reach out to Anthony Stevens, Debbie Hazelton, or Rick Morin, and you can have a spot just like that during one of my upcoming Sunday editions. Yeah, I'm being a little selfish today, but uh, Sunday edition's a great program, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. Hey, we got, a hand, we got a hand up right now, and I'm not sure if it's related to our last guest or the next one, but Dan Spoon's hand is up. Well, Dan is part of the next presentation. So it yep. seems like you cannot go through a 24 hour period without hearing the word voting at least a dozen times. And, you know, in our national conversation, voting is under <laughs> the microscope and under a lot of possible inflammatory changes. But 
It is also a key word for our community, the American Council of the Blind. We had a virtual convention last year and we have another virtual convention coming up this July. So voting became very important for us too. So Connie Sims and I have been in conversation about today's program. She was taking the lead for Pat and Dan and Jeff. And they're all here today to answer all of your questions, but they're gonna speak a little bit about the need for putting in a system so that we can vote freely and fairly. And of course, low cost and, and, and um, without as much extra baggage attached to it to make it as, as um, universal and free and fair as possible. Welcome Dan, President Dan Spoon. Connie Sims, Pat Sheehan, Jeff Tom. Let's start with Pat because you are the lead on the council. What do you guys, what'd you guys come up with? Well, thank you, Anthony. And I appreciate uh, my colleagues here working with us on, on this voting task force. Just want to shout out, take a shout out to the task force before we get started. There were 18 members on that task force and they did a great job. We had experts that were, um, uh, in the Constitution that had worked with the system that we'll talk about over the next uh, hour or so. Uh, and we had uh, folks that really contributed an awful lot. So uh, thanks to them for working hard and getting the, the work done. Um, I'd like to start off and then maybe we can go to Jeff and uh, Dan and then Connie. Um, really what we were trying to solve is a problem that we had last year because we went virtual we had elections for uh, the five board positions and we asked the board to stay on last year uh, and uh, give us one more year, which they agreed to do. This year, of course, we have elections coming up for officers and, so, uh, and also BOP. So we have 13 uh, slots that are uh, available and we needed to find some way that we could do remote voting uh, that was uh, going to agree with our constitution and then also work uh, within the um, articles of incorporation in DC. And so Dan put a task force together. The task force has recommendations which are on the website. And we're here to talk about those and the process and how we're going to move from A to Z. And I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, if I could jump over to Jeff right now. Jeff, you want to talk about the assumptions that the task force made uh, in moving forward? That would be great. Sure. Thank you. Um, am I unmuted? I think I am. You are. Okay. Thanks, Anthony. So we had to make some important assumptions. And the first one was that we had to determine whether we actually had the authority to conduct an election. And as it turned out, um, the DC code, which applies both to ACB and to many of our special interest affiliates, uh, during the pandemic, gives us the authority um, through, actually this is through May, but we are almost 95% certain that it's gonna be extended um, to the remainder of the year, gives us the authority to conduct remote elections even in the absence of provisions in our specific uh, bylaws or constitution that allow for such remote voting um, due to the pandemic. 
there are conditions. And one of those conditions was, of course, that every member as of the record date, which is 30 days prior to the convention, that every member of the organization be given, uh, be eligible and have a chance to vote. But there were other assumptions that we wanted to make. Number one, we wanted to keep our voting structure for this year as close. Number one, we wanted to do it just for this year and leave future years to themselves. Number two, we wanted the voting structure to be as close to what we do under our existing constitution as possible so that there would be two elements to the vote as there always have been. There would be the individual vote whereby each member of the organization, and in this case, it's whether they're con attending convention or not, unlike prior years where they have to have actually been at the convention, where every member would have a chance to cast his or her individual vote. And number two, where the delegates would cast their votes for, uh, for their affiliates, just as they have always done in the past under our constitution. The yes. another assumption. If I can actually pause you there and ask you if you can yeah. go into the delegate system a little bit more, because I think that's a piece of confusion for a lot of sure. members that aren't act that aren't active in convention politics. How does the delegate system work? So the delegate system um, has been in ACB since its founding, essentially, and basically, um, it, it's underpinnings are using the assumption that most people won't be able to attend conventions and thereby you want a way for everybody's vote to be counted in some manner or other. So therefore, <coughs> based on the, I won't go into minute detail, but based on the population of each affiliate, you get up to 25 votes. So some affiliates only have like one or two votes and some affiliates might have the maximum of 25 based on how many members you have. So that basically, and this became a little confusing to some people, you have two ways in which your vote can be counted. You have your individual vote that you are going to cast this time and we'll be getting into how you're gonna do that. And then your delegate for your affiliate or however many affiliates you have will cast their vote for whom they want. Now, ACB does not prescribe the manner in which delegates decide how to vote. Some delegates uh, determine it based on giving all of their votes for whoever they think the majority is voting for based on who is at convention. Others um, use a system by at convention, they go down the row of the people that were in their delegation and they'd ask them, you know, sometimes secretly, sometimes not, who are you voting for? And they'd vote based on their numbers. Some people would give out, you know, their, their you know, cell numbers and you could text from wherever your delegate and that might come into play. Um, some had sort of secret ways of doing it whereby you could put in a, a quarter for, you know, person X and a nickel for person Y or whatever. So there are all sorts and some had caucuses and they voted at the caucus as to how they wanted. So there are all sorts of different ways that delegate votes are determined. Um, and 
even in this convention, we are going to give a nod to that, and you'll hear a little more about how that is going to occur later on. But the delegate vote is has always been a key piece of how this organization votes. There, um, and it's kind of interesting. But um, both Patrick and I have been part of an ACB voting task force since its inception when Mitch Pomerantz appointed us. And since the beginning, there's always been a discussion and there will continue to be one. Once we, once we permanently institute, and I suspect that day is coming sooner than we have ever thought, once that we institute a permanent ability for every member to cast an individual vote, will we continue to have a delegate vote or not? And the answer to that is, I have no idea. So I just throw that out there for food for thought. But for this year, our, we do not want to change our basic voting structure. We also felt that, and, and we may make an exception, that there's some talk of making an exception to vote on how we're going to do things next year, but nothing is set in concrete. So I don't want to um, even say that we're going to do anything, but there's been talk anyway. We're not going to vote on constitutional amendments this year. We've decided it's going to be a tough enough nut to crack to get our elections in. Um, and we didn't, and nor are we going to vote on resolutions. Resolutions are going to come to the board after input from the entire membership on community calls like they did last year. So we had to make some preliminary assumptions um, that would keep the voting structure as close as we can, that would keep it as a secret ballot, that would keep the uh, delegate vote, and that would abide by the DC rules. And with that, I think I'll turn it back to Pat. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, let me jump over to Connie so you can talk about uh, the, what the voting system is that we did propose. And then maybe, Dan, you can take us through the process. How about that? All right. Sounds great. Yep. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Anthony, for having us. Um, so we looked at three different systems and we chose Vote Now. Um, and GDU. GDUI has been using it for the past, past five years, but Vote Now has everything that we are looking for. Um, so you can vote by computer, um, and it was, you can use an Android, an iOS, a PC, a Mac, and then you can also use the phone, and it's an, actually an 800 number that can be used. And calling into the phone, there's two ways. You can do it um, by the commands. You have, say, um, one would be for A and two would be for B for the candidates. Um, so you could do that electronically with your code. And then otherwise, if you don't want to do um, electronic through the phone, um, you can speak with a person. And since it's not over, the July 4th holiday, they plan to have a lot of staff on hand for us. Um, and everything is going to be through vote now. So wait, uh, let's 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 tag back on that. Did, did you actually say there's going to be live persons available to help us? Yes. Wow. OK. Yep. So we that should to, set a lot of minds at ease. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's that's a huge thing. So, yeah, we're going to have live people available to help. So we um. 
we really encouraged for everyone to um, give our email address to us. And that is because everyone will receive an eight digit code. Um, so if you don't have an email address, you'll still receive that. Um, we're hoping Nancy um, Becker is working with Vote Now to see if we can get that sent out in whatever format you prefer, like large print or braille. But we're hoping to try to get as many as we can out by email. And you'll have that same code throughout the whole week. Um, the nice thing with the, if you do it through the computer, you won't have to use the code. You'll actually just have a link. So you'll be able to click to right on it. be embedded, yeah. Yep. Um, but you can call in the toll-free number and um, give the code and no one else will have that code, um, not even Nancy. So um, we wanted to make sure that it was all third party, you know, we didn't want to make it sure that there was any room for questioning. Yeah. Yeah. Questioning of ACB, you know, being involved. Um, so Nancy is our only person with ACB that will be in, Dan will talk about that, um, in contact with vote now, but you will be able to call in and vote, or you will be able to, um, do it online. And again, like I said, it's going to be accessible for everything. And we wanted to make sure that was accessible for everyone because we know there's a lot of people who are going to call in. Um, and we figure it's going to be probably an hour for everyone to get through to vote. Um, so in the meantime, you know, we'll start doing the affiliate stuff. To, um, the affiliates, we'll go into that, you know, a little bit too. The, the delegates for each um, state or special interest um, will actually be in a special Zoom room, but they will be hearing everything that is going on. So mm. we will be able to, that way we don't have to worry about rounding up that affiliate, so um, delegate for that affiliate. So when we start going through the affiliate roll call, um, when we start with Alabama, they're going to be right there um, all the way and through. And who should delegate, yeah. So, um, You'll be able, you know, each affiliate will figure out how they want to contact their delegate in the room when about the whoever they want to vote for. But that room will actually be just for the delegates, but they'll hear, hear the whole convention just like everyone else will, but they'll have a special Zoom um, connection room for that. So that will, wow. and we figured that will take about a half hour to go through that. And the nice thing is once later in the week when we figure that there will be more elections um we vote now can have an, a half hour turnaround time to get a new ballot up and going so that was another nice thing knowing that we could have a nice turnaround time um from between from, elections yeah. yeah what's the turnaround time for results so we that will be within um basically once we have the hour and stuff done, we will have, I believe, and Dan might have the, the actual number on that. I think it's like, it's, it's basically right away. It's all automatically um, calculated. So we'll get the results, you know, right shortly after the election. So we can keep going forward. And that's where we can have that half hour turnaround. So once we have that results, um, we have can have 
let's say like Friday when we'll have multiple elections, we will have just a half hour turnaround time. So um, the elections will be decided, you know, within just probably minutes or half hour or so after the election is done. Nice. So why don't we introduce President Dan Spoon? Thank you so much for coming back to Sunday edition again. And you can kind of break the process down in a more ACB humanistic form for us. <laughs> well, thank you, Anthony. And our, and our Pat and Jeff and Connie and the whole voting task force team have just done an absolutely uh, outstanding job. We had, uh, you know, 18 members, including, you know, I think, but 13 members, Pat, and, and five members of the staff, you know, contractors. Yeah. So just tried to have people from, from all avenues, whether it be our constitution and bylaws committee, uh, state uh, and special interest affiliate presidents, uh, as well as individuals who have used electronic systems before, you know, with a diverse population, with folks of color. We tried to just you know, have a really well-rounded team. And I think they really did an outstanding job working together, yeah. made an excellent presentation back to the board. Uh, so I really, really want to first just thank them for, for all of their hard efforts and continued efforts as we, uh, with Connie's uh, guidance, uh, work with Anthony folks like you and the other radio shows and community events and president's meetings and any place we can go, where I think now even taking uh, taking the show on the road, so to speak, right, Connie, to to individual affiliates for for conversations with their members. So yes, I, we we're trying to really, as much as we can, get the get the word out there. So there's no surprises. We want to be as transparent as we possibly can through this process. And for some of us like myself who might be running, we have to be very, you know, I always feel like I'm, I'm you know, I'm the acting president, but at the same time I'd be running for re-election. So I wanna make sure it's very open and transparent and everybody feels comfortable about the process. Um, yeah, so, if, yeah, if I can add my thoughts, I, the materials that were sent, uh, the presentation to the board, I mean, it feels like, you know, you swept through the house and not a single bed was left on, you know, not looked under, not a corner was not swept out. All the T's were dot, uh, crossed and all the I's dotted. It really did phenomenal, fabulous work. When you give us this presentation, Dan, as mm -hmm. well, can you also incorporate what, um, what um, candidate forums might look like going towards convention. I think a lot of people are interested in that too. Sure, and uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I don't mean to represent the Board of Publications, but I have been on, you know, their conversations. And, and so I think I can give at least a background on that and please reach out to uh, uh, Deb sure Cook-Lewis and those folks. It might even be worthwhile to have them on uh, for a, uh, you know, uh, for, a, for a Sunday conversation uh, on about what they're doing from the BOP side, but I'd be happy to, to speak through that. And maybe that's a good place to start. Uh, so uh, as Pat said, we actually have 13 positions up for election this year. And very quickly, the task force realized that, you know, historically we have done elections the last day of the convention and really felt that trying to do 13 elections all in one, one five, six hour period remotely might be just not even possible, right? You know, given the turnaround uh, and, and, and the amount of time it'll take for folks to, to cast their ballots. So uh, what the task force uh, quickly decided was that the process really needed to go throughout the convention. And so 
it's going to start with um, with the Board of Publications, which is putting in place, uh, I think in the May forum, they will have all the instructions for any uh, any potential candidates that wish to, to run for any of the positions. There'll be the five officers positions of president, first vice president, second vice president, secretary and treasurer. Uh, the five board positions that were actually up in 2020 that we extended uh, over for one year. So they'll they'll be running for a three-year term. And then also the three board of publications elected directors positions, which were up in 2020, which will also be extended over this time for a one-year term for them. So those will be all the elections that will be held. They, uh, according to the Board of Publications uh, in their um, Mar May article, they are going to announce that there will be affiliate pages that everybody will have an opportunity uh, to answer, uh, I believe it's two questions uh, about their candidacy and, and their position on, on a couple of key issues. And they are keeping those questions close to the best. So I don't, I do not know and do not wish to know what those questions are, but they'll, they'll be sharing. No those. conflict of interest. No conflict of interest. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and, and I think, well, there's several of those board of publications uh, directors that are running for, for reelection. Um, so those two, uh, the candidates pages, I think their goal is to have those uh, up and running uh, by, I believe, the, the, the beginning first, somewhere between the 1st and the 15th of June. Uh, then they're also um, uh, allowing that they're going to have an opportunity for people to record segments, kind of like your affiliate sponsor segments that, that you shared earlier in between segments. Uh, and those are going to be uh, available with help from the BOP and uh, the ACB radio team uh, to develop those candidates presentations that can be aired on the on the different streams uh, throughout oh the my God. season. So, are we going to get I'm President Dan Spoon and I approve uh, this message? I don't know. We may. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that's a really a wonderful opportunity for folks. And some are more technical than others. So, you know, the, the team is all willing to help to, to make sure they get everybody gets a nice, you know, professionally polished uh, presentation there. And then they're going to have the two candidates forums, I believe on June 29th and uh, uh, June 29th and June 30th. Uh, they're going to break them into two because with 13 candidates, that's a little too much uh, yeah. to, uh, to do. So I think they're gonna do the officers one day, the board of, uh, board of directors a, a second day. And one, one of those, days will also include the the directors uh, that are running for the board of publications so so they're going to have two candidates uh, forums and then of course uh, individual affiliates or groups of affiliates will have an opportunity to have their own candidates forums uh, leading into the convention uh, then the other thing as the convention gets started we had uh, Brian Charlson on a number of the calls who's the chair of our nominating committee and he has made the announcement that, you know, reaching out to the affiliates that we really need their delegate for the nominating committee at least uh, two weeks prior to the convention. Uh, and he, uh, you know, is having a goal of having the nominating committee 
meet prior to the convention. There's nothing in our constitution that, that does not allow this to take place. And so he felt this was a really good way to kind of get us uh, kick-started down the path, so to speak. So the goal is that by opening session on Sunday night, we will be able to announce the nominated slate of officers, board members, and directors of the Board of Publications. So the slate for the 13 positions that come out of the nominating committee. So that's really important for anybody that wishes to be a candidate. They need to find out who the delegates are from the affiliates and make sure there's somebody in this closed, virtually closed door nominating committee that will speak on their behalf and, and nominate them for, for the different candidates positions. And then once the slate has been presented, we will also approve the uh, standing rules for the convention, which will kind of, um, you know, waive our rule for a paper ballot for this particular turn at the elections, as well as just making sure we're all in sync with a couple, what uh, Pat has called kind of three standing practices that we do with inside of ACB that are, may not be completely laid out in uh, Robert's rules of order or in our constitution, but we wanna make sure everybody is comfortable. It's, it's what our practice has always been. So those three additional considerations are one that we will not have any write-in ballots. So it'll be, you know, the slate that is, uh, is there. So there's no write-in ballots. Uh, second, that if a candidate is, does not have any opposition, so nobody runs against a particular candidate for a position, then through voice vote, uh, through Zoom, we can, you know, uh, vote by, um, you know, by acclamation that particular yeah. person for that position. Uh, and then the third is that if we have multiple candidates, so three or more running for a position and nobody receives uh, a majority, 50% plus one of the vote, then uh, we will have the top two uh, candidates, the top two that receive the most votes will be in a runoff. runoff. So, so just clarifying that everybody's comfortable. With those, those are practices we have done for decades inside of ACB, but we just wanna make sure that, that there's, again, no ambiguity and everybody's comfortable with the, the process. Uh, then once we get started, uh, we will on, on Sunday night, go through with the you know first position, which is president and go, go down through the slate until we have the first contested election. So I wanna make it really clear to everybody, again, our normal practice inside of ACB, that you do not have to be in an announced candidate, you know, through the board of publications and have a candidates page. You don't have to do any of that. Although obviously our membership looks very favorably on people who participate through the entire uh, political process. But our constitution calls that at the point we call for nominations from the floor for a particular position, that somebody can be nominated from the floor with a second, then they are, that's all it takes to be a, a candidate for a particular position. So we will start on Sunday night and we will uh, announce the, you know, the person for the particular position that has come from nominating. And then we will ask three times if there's any nominations from the floor. If there's none, then that, particular position will be closed and we'll vote by voice vote by acclamation for that person to hold that position. As soon as we get a contested uh, seat, you know, we'll just say, 
we'll just say the president is the first contested seat. Dan Spoon uh, maybe was put in from from the nominating committee and uh, Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck are both uh, nominated from the floor. So Dan doesn't have a chance, but we'll work we'll work through that. But but at that point in time, we would have a contested election. Those candidates would be announced. And then the following um, morning, so the first day of uh, full general session on Monday morning, uh, then we will have that particular election. Uh, the, uh, we we want to give the affiliates, again, an opportunity to make sure they have a chance to caucus their, their affiliate and, and understand how they want to apply their delegate votes. So we will have the two candidates announce their speakers the next morning. Each candidate is entitled to five minutes of speeches spread amongst as many as two different uh, speakers if they wish. Uh, they'll have each have five minutes to speak. Uh, we will then open up the election for the individual vote through Vote Now with everybody with their code, voting either electronically, touch tone with the vote or with an operator uh, through the phone or or um, or with uh, operator uh, participation on the on the phone. So there's three different ways that people will be able to vote. We will probably I also want to mention this we are planning although we don't know the exact time yet. We're probably going to do a mock well we're not probably we will do a mock election prior to the first contested election, just so we get a chance to exercise the system. Everybody gets to practice voting and understand their code. It's part of our vote now contract that we're putting in place. Uh, and so we, we haven't quite decided what the optimal time is for that um, mock vote. And, and we'd like to hear some, maybe some of your listeners have an idea around there. We'd like some feedback, but we're trying to decide when is the right time to do the, the mock election just so everybody can practice. We don't want to do it too early because we want everybody to have received their codes, which coming through the mail may take a while, but we don't want it to be, you know, right on top of, of the election either. So finding that right sweet spot will, will take a, a little a little conversation. Um, so then uh, we will then go on with our general session program for about a half hour, probably listening to some sponsorships, maybe some angel testimonies during the business section. And then we will have allow, as Connie said, a half hour for the affiliate roll call vote uh, with each affiliate having a nominated delegate. Those delegates will be in their own Zoom room, but will be heard in the larger Zoom room. So through the technology expertise of Rick Morin and Tony Stevens, Jeff Bishop, all that wonderful crowd of folks we have and the and switchers and all kinds of technology I don't really know all that much about. There is the ability to have multiple Zoom rooms going and yet they feed into each other. And, and then, and then uh, the ultimate, um, you know, uh, end user, the person on the other end, can hear not only the roll call vote, but can also be part of the general Zoom meeting. And so uh, so all that will be broadcast on ACB radio. It'll be uh, you know available on, on the Zoom, uh, you know, call in on the phone, whatever way you, you access the convention. So we'll do the roll call vote. Uh, then we'll go on um, and, and, and allow for a little presentations. And then with a half hour left in the morning sessions, uh, so at 1.30 before we break at 2, we will announce the winner of the election for that day. Uh, we'll allow the winner and losing candidates to uh, make a 
you know, uh, brief comments to the to the membership. And then we will continue down that process till we get the next contested election. Uh, once those so wait, put in place, mm -hmm. go ahead. After after the affiliate roll call, is mm -hmm. that when the general the general vote will be going on behind the scenes? General we'll votes going on the, kind of the whole time. Uh, so once okay. we have the speeches, we'll open up the the vote. So we're going to give it a little time there for that vote to take place. Uh, and then in addition to that. Um, uh, see, what, I want to say this. It, it's important. There's an important role that Nancy Marks Becker, our CFO, plays here, which she plays in in all elections in her current position. She's done this for the last five years for us. But I'd like to think of her as our ACB supervisor of elections. So the roll call vote is a manual vote. It's out loud. You'll hear it. You'll hear Alabama, co po, you know, uh, uh, Alabama, Mickey cast, Mouse. <laughs> yeah, cast uh, five votes for Mickey Mouse, four for Donald Duck, and one for Dan Spoon. Right? You'll hear, <laughs> you'll hear that actually, you know, called out, and everybody will hear that live. And Nancy, uh, then, you know, she has to. Uh, she usually has another volunteer with her just to make sure there's some redundancy and everybody's counting properly. But she has to record that vote and then tally it at the end. So then. At the end of the roll call, she has the official results of the affiliate roll call vote, and then she will receive the results from vote now uh, for the individual vote. She'll add those two components together, and then she actually presents, here's the roll call affiliate vote, here's the individual vote by candidate, and then here's the total vote. And then once she announces the total vote, then we know who the winning candidate is and the losing candidate is. And so, so we she'll announce that at 1.30 each day. We'll allow those candidates to speak, uh, winners and losers. And then we will go through the process of going down the list of candidates till we get to the next contested election. And then that process will you know play out on Tuesday, then again on Wednesday, then again on Thursday. So we have no idea if we're going to have a lot of if we have a runoff, the runoff will have to be the next day. So we'll have a total of four elections, one each day for Monday through Thursday. Yeah, go ahead. Did you have a question? Oh, I thought I heard something. Um, so we'll have four elections, one each day, Monday through Thursday. Then on Friday, we believe we're going to have the ability to have five, maybe six elections. Uh, we think each one will probably take about an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes. So with a little bit of a break in there, we, we think we can have five or six uh, contested elections on Friday. So we'll get as far as we can. If we get through them all, depending on how many contested elections uh, there are, we may be done. If not, we are, uh, Janet is letting everybody know that Saturday is kind of an overflow day and we may be doing elections on Saturday uh, until we have completed uh, each position. Um, once we get to Friday, there's no day in between. So the, you have the, the nominations from the floor. Uh, we will then probably have the speech, we, we not probably, we will then have the speeches from the candidates we will then have presentations from some of our ACB staff talking to us about community or advocacy or development, you know, all those kind of um, ACB reports that we have traditionally done in the earlier general sessions. We're going to do those on Friday, kind of giving us flexibility 
with our own staff to kind of work in between the elections. And we may have some other recorded presentation material because we're gonna have time while the roll call vote, after the, before the roll call vote takes place, we're gonna have a half hour after speeches uh, for presentations and then we'll do the roll call vote and then we'll see how quickly we can, uh, you know, tally up the results and announce the winner of that election. And then we'll move to the next one. So we'll just kind of continue to repeat that process in about, we think, uh, 90 minute segments uh, throughout Friday and then if we need to into Saturday. So that's kind of the, Pat, Jeff, Connie, well, did I, did I forget well anything? Done. You're, okay. So. You're hired. I'm yeah. hired. Yeah. I just wanted to, um, I'm one of the couple of the calls that I've been on, you know, people were concerned about, you know, the code with the email, just mm -hmm. because you receive the code by email does not mean that you have to vote that way. Most very good point. Yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of our folks use email for sharing information, but maybe are not comfortable clicking buttons and making sure their vote, you know, processed electronically. So you, you could please, if you, if at all possible, let us know your email, we can send you your code electronically, which assures you that it, it's gotten to you and you, and you alone. And but you can take that code and then actually do your voting through touch uh, touch tone on your phone or with an operator. You do not, you can of course, reply electronically either on your computer or on your mobile phone, your smartphone. So, so either way is possible. So we're trying to have as many possibilities for people to vote to make it as easy as possible with the technology that works best for them. Good, good point, Connie. Yeah. The Too other thing couldn't get the A lady to vote for us. A lady, I pick Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the only other Just thing I would add to that, Dan, is this: the system uh, will work on PCs, Macs, uh, also your Android and your iOS. Correct. So you've really got That's a right. lot of options, and of course, as Connie has said, uh, you know, you either get phone assisted uh, voting or you will you can vote over the phone. And that's the part, you know, we're kind of erring to start with on Monday with a lot of operators, which we have to pay for, you know, you got to pay these folks. And so this process is going to cost us between 15 and $20,000 to do. Uh, the board approved the, the funding for the vote, uh, vote now um, system. Uh, but we, we hope to learn a little through Monday and Tuesday of how many operators we'll need. So, you know, we potentially could have to bring in additional or, or we're hoping maybe as people feel more comfortable, what they've said is that normally once, once a, a membership body has voted once or twice, they start to feel more comfortable with the process. And typically they find that, you know, that people work through it quicker. So, you know, we have the ability to kind of adjust as the, as the week goes along, but we're trying to put that flexibility in the contract. Yeah. And GDY has used the system for the last five years, as Connie said, and uh, their rate of return on the voting is about 40%. So that's pretty good based on what we've done with ACB. Yep. Yeah. And I think and, and, you it's know, also... Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, uh, although I'm not a member of GDY, I have used their system a couple times. It is so easy to use, whether it is via the you know touch tone on your telephone or the computer i've done both 
it's very simple for folks. And so I think you're going to enjoy using it. And the other thing I think is really important because we kind of mentioned this all around the convention and at, and obviously the the actual votes are going to be taking place during and throughout the convention, but you do not have to register for the convention in order to vote. Every member of ACB will receive a code and will have the opportunity to cast a ballot. So it, there, it's not tied at all to registering to the convention. That, that would almost be akin to having a poll tax or something. So, so yeah. if you are a member in good standing of the American Council of Blind as of June 16th, which is our date of record, 30 days before the start of our, our annual membership meeting, then you will receive a... Um, you know, you 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 will receive a code to vote, and and that's where Nancy again plays a very important role because the official system of record with all the certification process that's going on with the affiliate members as well as the at-large members is done through our donor perfect database. So she has in that database everybody that is a is a member in good standing as of June sixteenth. So I want to alert Byron, we're going to start taking hands in a few minutes. Um, I'm going to throw this question out, at, you know, as a general, whoever feels most comfortable answering it. I think a lot of people um, are confused and are wondering, you know, you mentioned a few times the DC incorporation mm -hmm. and, you know, some of our affiliates are incorporated in other places. Why, why were some affiliates able to do remote voting already in and what's you know what about the dc code in terms that most of us can under you know humanistic terms mm. what were the challenges for being able to set this up this year um i can start off dan uh, with what happened in in washington uh we really didn't have to do anything to set that up in washington dc that was a provision that was put into the uh, into the um, article, Articles of Incorporation this year. If you think about it, we're not the only organization that is, would have this problem in 2020 or 2021. And so they had to put a provision so that organizations could do their business. And so I think as Jeff has said, and Dan and myself said, that we had, uh, you know, we have an opportunity now to utilize this, um, uh, waiver or exemption, which means we don't have to go back in and change our constitution and bylaws because of this uh, specialized exemption based on a medical waiver that's in our art articles of incorporation. Now, in Maryland, we are not incorporated in DC, so we have to go back to our um, to see where we are incorporated and, and see what those rules uh, say regarding Maryland and how if we wanted to, you know, we want to vote inside Maryland and we're not going to meet in person, what those rules are and how they apply to us. And I think a lot of the states have been doing that as they had their state conventions this past year. Yeah. Uh, the other question that we've had, uh, Anthony, just to make people have, have asked, hey, this is, sounds like a great system vote now system that ACB is putting together. Can we utilize your system? Right now, that answer is no, because we've just set up a, a one-year contract for ACB to do it in 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and maybe good. this will help a little bit too, Anthony, is 
first of all, what the what the DC code allowed you to do was was basically break your constitution and bylaws. So even if you had something in your constitution and bylaws that said you cannot vote virtually with the pandemic, it put this emergency provision in that gotcha. allowed you to supersede your constitution and bylaws as long as this a pandemic emergency provision was in place. We could not do it last year because this emergency uh, pandemic provision was not in place when we were getting ready to have our convention last year. And our constitution specifically called for a paper uh, ballot to as, as the way for our individual votes to take place at the convention. And so other um, affiliates may have not had a, as a restricted of a constitution and bylaws as ACB had. So if it didn't call out a paper ballot and those type of things, they could have interpreted their constitution to allow them to have gone ahead and voted last year. So it was a combination of two things. One, what were the restrictions put in place by your current constitution and bylaws? And then this year we had the exemption or exception because of the emergency exemption that was put in place by the DC code. If we are, if right. you're incorporated in DC, yeah, so. And here no, is no, the I Barbara just, Walters question. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> I was just going to add one very quick thing, Anthony. Remember, yeah. as we've tried to say, if you are in a special interest affiliate that is organized in D.C. and you want to conduct elections, you too are going to have, assuming you don't have something that, that, that contradicts this already, a remote voting system, perhaps even if you do, but that's a tougher question. You too are going to have to make it possible for every one of your members to vote. So you're going to have to get your Zoom link out to those members, whether they have email or they do not, ahead of time. So if assuming you're going to vote via Zoom, which is, you know, one possible way to do it, and there's even ways to vote secretly using your one touch mobile so it's possible to do it over zoom um, but assuming you're going to do it that way or maybe you're not maybe you're going to do it some other way but you have to give your um non-email members a way of getting the information for your the, the, the manner in which you're going to hold your election that actually brings up a question before i go to barbara walters um <laughs> is California was pretty successful with theirs. Are there is there anyone in the California delegate that could offer advice or assistance to affiliates out there who are trying to figure out how to do voting right now? Absolutely. I, I helped conduct that election. I'm going to be helping to conduct this one. And I am always happy to talk about both this system and the California system that we used, the advantages and disadvantages of both methodologies because they both have them um and so if any affiliate wants to get a hold of me um you know there's ways of getting to me that which, which we can't give out information on the community calls but there's ways it's your email off the um off the acb website yeah yeah all right now the barbara walters question if on the very slimmest of chances, this um, exception is not extended, is there a contingency plan in place for voting this year? 
the answer is no. I think we're, we're not allowed to by our constitution if we don't have the exemption. We don't have the authority, right? I, that's it's, at least the way I've heard it from our constitution and bylaws scholars uh, from John John and-, and uh, uh, John McCann and John Huffman, yeah. That's right, and um, Ray. And Ray Campbell. That, that we have to have the authorization. Yeah. But I have also seen being in Washington, D.C., you've had the president extend the emergency out through 2021. And what I have heard uh, here from the mayor in Washington, D.C., uh, that that is going to get extended. So I'm not right. concerned about that. I think, I think we're in good shape. Mm -hmm. All right, Byron, let's start taking hands. All right. I am not seeing any hands at the moment, guys. Get those hands up. We want to hear oh, from you. I think we answered all the questions. And I will say, just because people have asked about Nancy Marks Becker, I, I think it's a very acceptable role. She's an independent staff person. She doesn't, she's not a member. She doesn't vote. You know, she is really the person that's going to be working very closely with vote now. And, and she's the person that, you know, if anyone is sharing information, it's strictly Nancy with vote now. So we're trying to keep it in a very small group, but Nancy, you know, is kind of our our conduit to vote now. So she'll be, you know, when people can't find out information, we're going to be setting up a line where they'll be getting in touch with Nancy, who then be working to get them their their information. Say they have a bad code or they never got their their email or they never got their postcard or whatever it may be she she's she's our conduit and we're trying to keep it that way so we stay very independent wow nancy's going to need a few um rest days off after all i, I think she is she's a little worried but she's she's a trooper she'll do a great job yeah no one thing about the this uh this this system also that we really hold dear in hb it's secure independent voting and verifiable. So those are three other conditions that we had going into this. We needed something, and we looked at a couple other systems. We looked at doing it manually. And uh, the other two electronic systems that we looked at were didn't have, one didn't have phone access, one wasn't accessible from the keyboard, and the manual system was just going to be too arduous and yeah. too many, um, too many uh, uh ways that we were thinking what pat we may we made it may have needed as many as 30 or 40 volunteers with right. different precincts if we were going to do it manually it was going to be quite that, an undertaking it yeah. was going to be too much yeah yeah on the on the delegate side of things um mm -hmm. so when the delegate you mentioned alabama as an example five mm -hmm. three and, and two yeah do those count once you're tallying it up do they count as single votes that are added on to the the uh individual total or yes. are they graded yes. in a different way yes no they're 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 just added on like the individuals and i think you ask a good question because we we always say members re are represented through their affiliates but the the way the constitution is set up is that for every 25 members that a affiliate certifies, they get one vote with a maximum of 625 members and 25 votes. And, and, and if affiliates have more than 625 members, they don't even have to pay ACB for the $5 per member above the 625. This is all written into our constitution. So if you take a larger state, it, they may have fallen down a little this year, but like the Californias, the Floridas, some of those would have would max out at at 25 votes. And so now 
uh, I'll just use Florida as an example. Florida has 25 votes that they can cast as they wish. ACB has no control of the process, anything that's done there. So, so then Florida as a, as a state affiliate has to decide how do they want to query their membership, their caucus, all their members in good standing and decide how they want to apportion those 25 votes. And they, there are some affiliates that take what they call the block vote rule, where they, they, they want their 25 votes and you know, or 10 votes or 12 votes to have the maximum impact as possible. And even though it's maybe a 60-40 vote uh, amongst their membership, they they will decide by a block rule that 100% of those votes will go towards the, you know, the candidate with the majority. Others split them, uh, you can split them up into a half vote. So there are actually, you know, I have seen affiliates with only one vote because they only have 30 members and they may go 0.5 for candidate A and 0.5 for candidate B. So, and if you're, if you joined into, if you're a member of several affiliates, like you're a member of the California Council and you're also a member of the Guide Dog Users and uh, Council of Citizens with Low Vision International and AAVL for uh, Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, you're, you're in three special interest affiliates and one state affiliate, you're working with each of those affiliates to have be caucused into how they're going to vote for their affiliate votes. But it is proportional. It's affiliates get one vote for every 25 members or portion thereof. So if you have 38 members, which gives you 13 25ths, then you qualify for that second vote. Um, so, you know, maximum 25, we have a lot of affiliates with one, two, three votes, many with eight, nine, 10, 14, that kind of thing. But all told, what would you say, Jeff, there's maybe three and, and Pat, there's Connie, there's maybe three or 400 affiliate votes across the entire 68 affiliates, something like that. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, some in that, that neighborhood. Yeah, not as, unfortunately, the number is not as many as there used to be. And, and that's something we need to work on. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic for a different Sunday. Right. <laughs> and we're, yeah, we'll be Sunday back show. on Sunday, yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. President, can I ask you a question from a candidate standpoint? Uh-huh. I know that during convention, there's, you know, there's the individual caucuses and candidate forums for special mm -hmm. interest affiliate. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, that there's going to be those opportunities for, let's, we'll use BPI and guide dogs for, for an example, for BPI and guide dogs to hold their candidate forums in a virtual setting the way, you know, or comparable to the way they would have done it at convention? And do you suggest affiliates think about doing something prior to convention it, it, yes uh it, it's up to the affiliates what i have seen at least at least the trend over the last few uh election cycles is more and more affiliates are teaming together and they're holding their own caucuses prior to the convention um i i will say there's some there's some real benefits here first it kind of allows for a larger audience uh because people aren't drawn away from doing other things that are activities that are going on inside the convention you have their attention you're not so time constraint so you have an opportunity to really ask the candidates more questions i've been on some of those candidate telephonic tele uh candidates caucuses that last a couple of hours where you can have a good exchange of ideas and your members can ask questions uh, but it's again it's totally up to the affiliates what they decide i will say 
if you're going to do them as a part of the convention, you better better plan on doing them early because elections are going to start on Monday morning. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. I know. Okay, so in the past, affiliate. Maryland, yeah. Maryland and Massachusetts and Florida caucus together. And, and so that's always. And we've done them telephonically, I think, the last exactly. two or three years. And they've worked out very well. Yeah. yeah exactly. And then you have you have to decide as an affiliate, gosh, are you going to have one caucus with all 13 positions? Or, you know, that'll be interesting, there too. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a series of president's calls that, you know, you got that affiliates should kind of band together and, and come up with a system for uh, for some candidate forums pre-convention, maybe, you know, the two weeks leading up to it. Because um, yeah. the nominated candidates will be out about about three weeks before the convention, right? They will. And, and then I would encourage uh, the, the affiliates, once the uh, BOP has had their candidates form, it's free game. You got about two and a half weeks there where where affiliates uh, could could uh, have their own candidates forums. I think those will be really busy times for the candidates, those last three weeks there before the convention. Anthony, hey, Byron, let's do, yeah. yeah, let's do a hand check. Yep, we uh, we have one hand up. Uh, it is Kathy. I'm going to ask her to unmute. Um, Kathy, you should be able to speak. You may have to unmute yourself. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? We can. Yes, yep, we yes. can. Okay, very good. Um, just questions for anybody. Uh, would you consider, now I, we haven't done this yet, so I don't know, but would you consider after this year, that the following year will be an in-person convention, but for those that are unable to attend, whether health reasons, financial, what have you, consider doing vote now uh, for future conventions to allow for that. Kathy, that's a wonderful question. And I'm gonna ask Jeff and Pat if they can answer that because this has come up we're kind of in a catch 22 right now, right, Jeff and Pat, Connie, in that right now our constitution doesn't allow it without this emergency provision. So do we, do we consider at least, um, you know, doing something to, with the membership's approval, obviously, to allow for us not to be where we're back in Omaha in 2022 and the emergency provisions off and we don't have a way to to have people vote remotely. So Jeff, you wanna? So I'll give you an, a non-answer sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, which I'm very good at that, I've been told. Um, and I'm not up for elections, so I can afford to give non-answers. In fact, it doesn't matter. Um, the question is maybe we have, as Dan just said, a constitution that we would be violating unless we are somehow able to change it this year, which would be a tough thing to do in this this virtual convention but we also have the dc code and we're, we need to get a full legal interpretation i think of what the dc code is going to require us to do in a non-pandemic year and so it's at least conceivable that we may have be required to conduct elections in a fashion that includes remote voting. So, you know, and then there's the, the part that, that is kind of of interest, not in a legal perspective, 
But in terms of the fact that, and I've said this on a couple of occasions, and I know Patrick agrees with me, he and I have been on the voting task force since President Pomerantz appointed us, you know, it seems like 12, 30 years ago now. <laughs> and it's very clear that, because, that before the pandemic, we hadn't reached a consensus on remote voting. There were a lot of people that were just stridently in favor of it. And there were others that were very much concerned for a number of reasons, um, logistically, some conceptually, um, I don't, I won't bother you with them, but we had not reached the quote tipping point. Well, clearly, I think there's very little doubt that we have now due to the pandemic. And we're going to have to face the reality that no matter what our legal requirements are going to be, we're in a situation where our culture is going to change with respect to our voting system. And I can't tell you for sure whether it's going to be next year or not. Um, but we're certainly going to have to deal with it and quickly and thoughtfully because it's going to make, it could make some profound changes in how we conduct ACB business. Do we know if there are any resolutions being considered to look at this and, and to take faster or a more strident action? Well, resolutions really can't overbear the constitution anyway. So um, it's really not the topic, in my opinion, for a resolution. Internal well, matters aren't very well dealt with via resolution, especially when the Constitution comes into play. So uh, this is, uh, we have some, uh, under Dan's leadership, and, and, and really, I, I just have to tell you that, you know, Dan, having appointed this task force, has exercised incredible leadership in this area, and we've been lucky, and I'm not sucking up even, since I'm not up for election, um, <laughs> and probably don't ever plan to run again. Um, I, We have been lucky to have had Dan's leadership throughout this, because this is a really difficult thing for ACB to handle, and I think he has handled it, and, and with Pat's leadership, really well. And Connie, talk to us about, from the, like South Dakota and other affiliates that you've run across, particularly with the uh, hump day calls and that sort of thing. What are they saying about the ability to take a virtual system like this and be able to vote for the first time at convention? You know, thanks, but you know, it's, it's a huge thing, you know, South Dakota. Um, I have very few members who have ever been to a convention, you know, for whatever reason it is, you know, and, and one of it is trans transportation, you know, um, it could be health and money, but we don't have the best transportation um, to get to some of the sites for the convention or limited in, you know, airfares, we don't have Amtrak. So um, this is huge that all members are gonna be able to vote. And, you know, other presidents, um, Dan and Pat are gonna speak again on the president's hump day this Wednesday coming up again, since we were doing it at a different time than we used to. Um, but the other presidents feel the same way. And there's a lot of um, affiliate presidents that are new, but we talk about how many 
new members we have who, um, who are new just to ACB, who have never voted before. There's a lot of new presidents that have never been to conventions. So, um, you know, South Dakota has 65 members and I would say probably half dozen, maybe at the most. I mean, we're lucky if we get four people to a convention in a year. Um, so to have even 30 of my members to be able to vote, um, that's huge for South Dakota because we've never had that before. So yeah, I think we're we're heading into a situation where not only you know are the barn, the barn doors open, but somebody took a shotgun and blew the lock off. Now that the the voting is going to be open to all members in this manner, I think it's going to be hard for for people to understand if we if we go back and and not have some sort of option for those members who won't be able to for all the reasons child care health care um elder parent care you know and the financial restrictions to to get to omaha and and uh schomburg in the following year and and i and i agree with that anthony and you know and like i will actually say that you know i have i have so many right now omaha is only three hours from south dakota from sioux falls so i mean i have members excited to be able to go to omaha next year um so and what you guys were talking about with jeff was talking about you know being the head or on the outreach and communication, I don't want to say a whole lot, but there has been discussion. You know, we, we're trying to figure out, like Dan said, the legal stuff, the DC code stuff. We aren't saying it's going to be next year. We're not going to say it's in two years, but we know that things have to change. And there, you know, I'm, I've had some discussions with people. I don't want to share any of that because we don't know any definite answers, but it, we know it needs to change but we don't know when well, it's going to change. Yeah. You're always welcome to come back to Sunday edition as these changes are being um, thought about and being implemented. You're always welcome to come back and talk about it here. Byron, let's do another hand check and then I'll give everybody an opportunity to make some closing remarks. Um, as of right now, I don't see any hands. Now is your chance if you want to get one in last minute. All right, well, let's go from Pat and all the way down, Pat. Well, closing first, remarks. Thank you. First, I'd like to thank the task force again. I think they did an incredible job. Uh, secondly, a couple of things uh, Jeff, Connie, and Dan have all said if you can get us um, an, an email address, we can email you your code. Uh, and I think it's going to be uh, uh, an excellent opportunity for us to be able to have members of ACB use this virtual system to vote and I'm looking forward to it. And if you've changed your email address and you think that your older email may still be on record, that might be something that you wanna think about updating and making sure that your current email is available to um, Nancy Marks Becker and, and the Donor Perfect system. How about you, Jeff? Some closing remarks? Yeah, so just one little thing. And you know, whenever you do something for the first time, there's like, whether it's a wedding or, or a voting system, there's likely to be some kind of a hiccup. And I just urge people, and maybe there won't even be any, but I just urge people, you know, we're in a Zoom environment, we all tend to 
you know, be a little less polite than we are when we're sitting there in a nice uh, a hotel being polite to everybody because we're on vacation. But sort of go with the flow, um, you know, understand that, that things might take a little longer than you like. And maybe they'll not, they won't. Maybe they'll go really quick. But, but just go with it, let it happen. And I think ultimately you're going to find that this will be a really positive experience. Annie? Um, you know, beyond the communication outreach, I just want to say that, you know, anyone is welcome to contact me. Um, there's an article coming out in the May, in the May Braille Forum. And, you know, I've, I've spoken, um, Jeff I know has, or Dan has, Pat has, and there's no sm group that's too small. I mean, I've spoke to a group of five, you know, um, I've spoke to one-on-one -on -one groups. So we want it to be as transparent as possible. And there's always, there's no question that's ever bad. There's never a bad question. And I know some people are concerned about when the codes are going to start being sent out. And we'll have verification on that. You know, the June 5th, June 16th is our record date. Um, but, you know, some people only have the email and they only go to the to the library to get that. So when we know for sure when they are starting to be emailed out or sent out, um, I will, you know, being part of the head of the communication, I will make sure that we get that announcement out to people through, you know, the Facebook or website to dots and dashes or to you. So everyone can announce and we can, people can watch for their codes and all the other announcements we have coming. As the great Rachel Maddow says, she says, watch this space. I'll say, listen to this space. As any new information comes along, I will definitely be announcing it here on Sunday edition. And if there are ever any questions and you don't have the email addresses that have already been given, you can always hit up celebration with my initials, ac at aol.com. And I will always forward those questions to the appropriate persons. Dan, you have had a very interesting presidency. And uh, I think what you have um, initiated here with the voting task force is amazing. What are your closing comments? Yes, uh, my wife, Leslie, calls me the, the virtual president. So I, I guess that's good. That's better than being the virtual husband. So that's <laughs> it's better than being the Mickey Mouse president. <laughs> but but, but I, 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 uh, I completely agree with Jeff and, and uh, Pat and Connie. Uh, please, we're we're we've never done this before. So we we are trying to have thought of everything and, and tried to work through any potential uh, issues and participate, you know, any roadblocks, but it's life, right? So we, we uh, please echo what Jeff said, be patient, enjoy the process, enjoy the fact that, you know, everybody's going to get an opportunity to vote. And, you, you know, I think it's going to be a set of elections like we have not had before in ACB. And, uh, and I really encourage everybody to, you know, Take, take advantage of it, be part of the process, and let's keep having a dialogue uh, to answer Kathy's question that she asked earlier. You know, if we need, as a membership, and, and we have good agreement to put something in place uh, that would allow us to, to continue the process in Omaha and beyond, then we need to hear that feedback because, you know, we don't want to be, you know, counter to our members. We want to support our members. 
but we need to do it in a way that that follows our constitution and our bylaws so we uh, you know, we're here to help and uh, we, we look forward to uh, a wonderful convention and separate from that, uh, the, the real cornerstone of ACB, a completely free and transparent democratic process uh, and voting is, is just the, the cornerstone of that. So I know the unofficial name of convention this year is get up and get moving, but let's remind right. folks, what's our official convention name this year? Better together wherever we are. Better together wherever we are. And better <laughs> together on Sunday edition. I have had a great time doing this show. Jeff, Pat, Connie, Dan, thank you so much. Ricky, I know you're already off the call, but thank you for coming in and talking to us about Strive. And you know what? In your everyday life, at least once a day, let's get up and get moving. Come back again next Sunday for a fascinating conversation with Mark Reichert, and we will be continuing our mental health exploration of what it's like losing sight. So I'll be back next Sunday with another great show. Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to Sunday Edition with Anthony on ACB Radio Mainstream. For more information, questions, comments, feedback, suggestions, etc., please email celebration. AC. That's the word celebration with the letters AC at AOL.com. Look forward to hearing from you and let's brunch again next Sunday.